Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. We've got a great show planned for you, and it's probably a topic that is one of the more important ones and uh, might even save your life, literally, with this topic. A lot of us are living our lives in burnout, already burnout. And uh, we're like, oh, we're just going to do a few things and try to survive within burnout. And I'm always going on and on and on about most likely you're already in it. And if you're in it, it's not about um, doing self-care activities that carve out a few moments away from it. And then you step right back in. So it's like your blood pressure and your heart rate drop for a little bit, 15, 20, 30 minutes, an hour a day. And then you go right back in. Yeah. Your system is still going to be burning out. And that's why I'm always saying we have to complete with the changing entire structure. Um, I know I have to work less. I, God bless it. I'm trying so hard to work less. It's really hard, but I'm, I'm living almost in complete burnout and I'm realizing I need to push up, push back. So we're not talking so much about that tonight, but we're talking about self-soothing. So is it a completely different topic? Yes. Does it tie right back in? Yes. At the same time it does. Why? Well, remember our emotional state and how we manage things, all the different things that come into our lives moment by moment, day by day, that's a part of our larger global level of functioning and the quality of our life. So the quality of our life, again, in relationship to burnout is about the general structure. If you're, if you're working a billion hours a week and then you only have two days off, you're living in burnout. Those two days off are not enough to go up against the week before and the week that's coming. You're basically only giving yourself two days off and away from that, but your system for five days a week is burnout. That's the problem. We need to be centering our lives in self-care and then work should be centered around that. I know, good luck, right? But we're trying. So what does matter though is punctuated throughout that structure is your emotional response and your emotional health. And so that's either going to amplify and synergize or it's going to shave down some of those sharp edges and water it down a little bit, crank down the intensity. That's what I'm also working on. Again, the general structure, so it's not a structure weekly that's just burnout related, but also within that structure, within my clinical day, how am I managing all the things that show up in my personal and even professional life? And so we're talking about the self-soothing because if I can soothe myself around those little things that pop up on the screen, I'll do better within the larger structure that might not currently be ideal. Does that make sense? So we're talking about self-soothing. 
And that's probably what matters most. When you check in with someone, you're saying, how's your day going? Well, again, they're talking about the general structure of the day, but they're also talking about how they encountered and managed and dealt with all the things that popped up, stuff with their boss, stuff with their colleagues, stuff with their partner, stuff with their friends, stuff with their parents, stuff with the barista, stuff with the Uber driver. And if we can better manage those little pieces, well, think about how much the quality of the entire day improves. You know, um, if we're constantly living in stress or anger or frustration, we're, 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 we're killing ourselves. And unfortunately, a lot of people spend their lives living in a state of frustration and anger. Someone cuts them off in traffic, road rage. You know, they're huffing and puffing because the line was longer than they wanted at the coffee shop. Um, someone at the office, you know, something, something, and they're angry and upset. Think about how much harder they just made what was already a very hard week because they're working too many hours, because they can't soothe themselves, because someone cutting off in traffic should give you really no response. The coffee line being longer should be not that deep, you know? So if you learn nothing else from the show, I'm gonna you know, expand on this, but it's basically saying, my favorite concept in the whole world, we have to start soothing, chilling out, and right-sizing things. Most of the things that are going on in our lives are a two or three or a four. And I, I know I've done a whole show on this. We're taking a different entry point. Um, that show is important as well. And at some point during a best of, we'll replay it. I'm gonna make sure of that because that's a good one. But think about that for a second. Yes, some people live really complicated, um, truly violent lives and they're in the eight, nines and tens and my heart goes out to that. But the bulk of us, we don't. The bulk of us, we're living threes and fours, but we're cranking it up. And God bless, because you kind of, in a way, lovingly tell on yourself. If the long line at Starbucks is enough to ruin your day, then your life is pretty damn good if that's as bad as it gets. Because for those that are living truly, truly um, violent, toxic, distressing lives where it's eight, nines, and 10 level kinds of things on a scale of zero to 10, a long line at the Starbucks are getting caught, cut, you know, cut off in traffic. They let it roll off because they're like, that ain't deep. What is deep is my mom dying. What is deep is my abusive marriage. What is deep is the racism I'm encountering. You know what I mean? So if you're one of those people where like the, the, your day's hard because you spilled coffee or because Whole Foods was out of whatever you were looking for, like you're doing pretty good, you know? But nonetheless, regardless of what level you're living at, what's going on in your life, let's try to at least shave down the sharp edges, as I say, and crank down some of the smaller things and right size them and not let them have so much gravity and intensity. So again, I'm not minimizing truly problematic, severe, oppressive things. We're not talking about that today. We're talking about the things that are annoyances and frustrations, and it's not that deep and we need to let them go. So we're going to talk about how to self-soothe, which is a practice. Look, people come into my office and they want three quick, easy steps. How long is this going to take? And it's like, it's going to take forever. And there's no three quick, easy steps because we're actually rewiring our nervous system. We're practicing new habits and we're changing and working with our thinking. That is not easy, especially after decades and decades and decades of reinforcing the wrong perspectives. It takes time, y'all. Stick around. We'll be back to talk about it. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, y'all, we're back and uh, we're talking about self-soothing. Why? Because lots of little things are going to come up throughout our day. And we have to learn how to chill out and roll with them and not let everything be a level 15. Because yes, for some people, their lives are a 10, a 12, and a 15. But for most of us, things are just like a two, three, or a four. But uh, we don't know how to handle anything. We don't know how to self-soothe. Everything sets us off. Whew. I've seen it in myself, and I've been working, I've been working very hard on it for myself. Because as I said, we, a lot of us are the structure of our lives is rooted in burnout. So how we manage these little things that get sprinkled within and throughout that really, 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 really matter because they amplify and have a synergistic effect where one plus one equals 10, or we can use it as a way to just practice settling down. So we have the energy and the ability to deal with real issues when they emerge. You know, it comes up even in couples therapy where I'll say, wow, it really sounds like you want things to be perfect because you are making an issue of everything and being a healthy individual, especially in a relationship with a friend, a family member, a coworker, a romantic partner, whatever it is, is about letting some things go. Otherwise you are wanting things to be perfect and that isn't possible. So part of being a relational human being is letting things go. Is something annoying or frustrating? Let it go. They're allowed to chew loud. They're allowed to talk during the television show. They're allowed to whatever, you know, like really fight the real issues. Otherwise you're keeping your system on high alert and you're living in fight or flight and you're burning yourself out over things that literally don't matter. <laughs> you, you don't want your kid to wear a certain thing to school. Let it go. I remember my parents, God bless them, who are amazing human beings and were really good at letting me express myself in so many ways, got hung up on a few things. They let me go through my tattoo phase, <laughs> which is still going. Uh, they let me go through my body piercing phase. They let me go through my, you know, sexual stuff where I was, you know, dating everybody, guys, girls in between. They loved it. Um, but they really got hung up on the, uh, this, you know, I went through a lot long period in high school where I wore all black. I was running around in the punk rock goth scene. Thank God for it. Cause that's where diversity and difference got normalized. And I was able to encounter trans people and queer people and gay people. And I was able to just be my really colorful, creative, sexual self. And, um, it was a really beautiful time. Now it's, I don't know how that world operates. Tattoos have a very different meaning now as well. I don't even understand it. Um, back then it was, you know, a radical act of self-definition and body autonomy. And it was very courageous. Um, now, now it has, now it's very conformity based and it's, it's about art and something else. And that's not bad or wrong, but back then it wasn't so artistically driven. It didn't have to have these powerful meaning, you know, like, Oh, well this tattoo is because of, you know, it really wasn't like that. But anyway, I digress. 
Point being, my parents really got hung up on me wearing all black. And they'd say things like, you're not coming to dinner with us if you're going to wear all black. And it was like, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> like you're ruining our amazing family dinner over the color of the fabric I have on my body, which has nothing to do with anything. I'm a good person. I always was. I caused good trouble. Like that's all that matters. So that's my message to parents. Like if your kid's a good kid, who cares what color hair their hair is? Let your kids dye their hair blue. Who cares? No one of any emotional intelligence will care. It is not that deep. It's just hair color. Yeah, let your kids wear all black if they want. Why? Because it's important for their psychological functioning, for them to have some autonomy, for them to fit into the worlds that are important and meaningful to them. And you're being a bully. You're possibly traumatizing your child and telling them that what matters more is other people's comfort versus what, what is real for them versus them participating in the social world that makes sense to them. Because as a kid and as a teenager, all we want to do is fit in. And if what they're trying to do to fit in is hair color or music choice or wearing all black, oh my God, thank your lucky stars and let, let it go. Finally, my, pa my parents were like, this is not a battle that's worth battling. You're right. It's not. Who cares? you know, but we fight those things. So they were amping up their own blood pressure because they weren't able to self-soothe because they also in theory kind of wanted perfection. We really have this desire to have things the way we think they need to be. And that's why like self-soothing is about letting go of stuff. And we're going to get deeper into it, but that's really the tagline for tonight. Let it go. Like, does it really matter? Just focus on being a good person. And if you're a good person, your child's a good person, your friend's a good person, let them be gay. Let them be queer. Let them be non-binary. Let them wear all black. Let them dye their hair blue. I, one of my best friends, I love it. Her daughter, when she was 13, 14, 15, she personally dyed her hair, her kid's hair different colors because she was like, it doesn't matter. She let her kid date women, date men, because it didn't matter. She let them paint their nails because it didn't matter. And I was like, you're such a good mom. You're letting your child explore and figure out who they are. And in doing so, they've raised the most amazingly accepting, confident child. And I'm here for that. And that's what I try to do with the individuals I work with who are talking a lot about the struggles they're having with their kids is I'm saying, focus on the relationship, focus on connection. You're focused too much on con con making them conformist. You're fo focusing too much on your comfort. Uh, you're focusing too much on correction. That's why your child doesn't come to you. That's why your child doesn't feel safe with you. You're giving them the wrong values. You're telling them that someone's worth is determined by their hair color, how normal they look or act, by what they're wearing. And that's a crap message and it's not true and it's not good. Focus on connection. That's all that really matters. Do they have good relational skills and ethics? Do they treat people well? Like that, that's what really matters. Make that what is focused on. You know, ask those questions. Not are your friends wearing all black and listening to rock music, but are your friends good to each other? Do they know how to support each other? Are they there when you need them? Awesome, high five. Then your friends are great, whatever color their hair is. You know, but we get hung up on these things and we have to let go of that. And we do it even in our adult lives. I see it on dating apps. I hear it in the dating world where again, everything's about conformity. We want people to look a certain way. It's because of our fragile egos. A girl can't imagine dating a guy that's shorter than her. That has nothing to do with anything other than your fragile ego. Height has literally nothing to do with anything. And we get hung up on all these different other pieces and factors and it has us getting in our own way and just perpetuating oppression and violence. That's what it's rooted in, the inability to allow other people to live their lives, the inability to accept differences and diversity, you know? So we'll come back and keep talking about how to self-soothe. I know, I know, I got a little off track, but it's all in there, it all matters. And then we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, you know, you know the drill, and uh, past episodes. 
over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line, click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Lots of good stuff. Stick around, no more to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back and uh, we are talking about drum roll, self-soothing. Now, it's probably one of the most important things, one of the most important skills. And uh, funny enough, oddly enough, it's one of the things we actually don't have. We are horrible at soothing ourselves. Horrible, 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 horrible. Again, this is not an attack on parents. This is just an example. Come home from school, you had a hard day, and your mom's like, here, eat these cookies. You are not teaching your child to soothe relationally. You're teaching them to turn to an object to soothe themselves. And you're actually kind of saying, like, I'm not here to really process with you, so just eat this and shut up. Just find something to put a smile on your face. Stuff those feelings. Or, oh, you had a hard day, go play video games, or go outside and play. Again, you're sending them off and away from connection and also the emotional experience and processing. You're basically saying, like, when you feel bad, don't talk about it. Definitely don't come to me. Don't get familiar going to other people. Find something outside of yourself to rely on. Television, food, sex, and uh, shut it down. Stuff it. That's horrible. (laughs) When someone's upset, the first thing you should say is, tell me what's going on. I'm here. Create a safe space and a safe container. And people learn to regulate through co-regulation. So that's why when parents are freaking out as their child's freaking out, I'm like, well, there's the problem. The parent even doesn't know how to calm down. And the parent's waiting for the kid to calm down so they can calm down. But the kid doesn't know how to calm down because you're supposed to teach them, but you can't because you don't know how to. And I'm watching you show me that you don't know how to. That's why this is such a mess. So parents, you have to work on how to settle yourselves down first. So this is for you. And then when your kids have a meltdown, you practice the self-soothing, which is then you training them in it, and then they'll be able to do it. But we can't do it if our parents can't do it. We can't do it if our friends can't do it. Someone's upset about a breakup and they go and key their car or talk smack. Again, an inability to self-soothe and deal with disappointment, anger, and frustration. People that have road rage, again, inability to self-soothe. People that gossip, inability to self-soothe. People that after breakup or divorce, attack and gossip and character assassinate that person. An example of someone not being able to self-soothe. We have to learn this stuff first. And the best way we can do this is first just acknowledging that this is something we need to learn and to practice. And it's very hard for some people. But if you are constantly angry at stuff and you're constantly having meltdowns and you're constantly freaking out and you're constantly raging, you don't know how to self-soothe. If you're constantly attacking people, lashing out, telling it like it is, picking fights, name calling, you don't know how to self-soothe. Because self-soothing looks like staying calm, feeling our feelings, all of them, but not acting them out and amplifying them and not suppressing them and denying them. It's in the middle, which looks like someone who's feeling it, but their words are still kind. They are not making the people around them feel unsafe or uncomfortable, and they're not popping off. It's in the middle. Because we're not, again, like I said, amplifying it or acting it out. You're angry, cool, but you don't act it out. You don't go do angry-based things like throw something, you know, name call, uh, make a nasty post on your IG, key their car. That's acting it out and amplifying it. You just say, I'm really angry, and I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to talk about my anger. Or I'm feeling really disappointed and frustrated, and I'm going to talk about it. Which, again, is also the opposite of denying it, stuffing it, suppressing it. Because we're not trying to do that either. We're, we're letting it out. But in a digestible, self-soothed way. It's the middle, and we usually go one or the other. Go play a video game. Here, just go eat some cookies. That's stuffing and denying. Or, yeah, let her rip. Make them feel it. Teach them a lesson. Tell it like it is. That's the opposite. We're trying to do that middle ground, which is we contain it. We digest it. 
we live and act from our values. We're not mood dependent in our behavior. Just because you're angry doesn't mean you act from that. We act from our values and our ethics. For instance, my values and my ethics are ones of nonviolence, compassion. And so that's what my behavior will look like. That's why I'm friends with my exes. Just because I'm sad, disappointed, or frustrated in them or that the relationship didn't work, okay? That's me feeling my feelings. I'm angry this relationship ended. I'm sad this relationship ended. I'm frustrated with how you managed or ran or ended this relationship or whatever it is. I'm feeling my feelings. But my behavior comes from my ethics and my values, not my mood. And that's what a healthy individual does. And so my ethics and values are ones of healing, care, compassion. And so I, I tell them, I'm really sad that this is ending, or I'm really sad you managed it that way. We talk it out, we talk it through, and we can still have some kind of friendship or kindness between us. That's mental health. And so if every time you are upset or get in a fight with someone, it ends with them getting kicked out or blocked or whatever it is, or then you have some healing to do. You are not mentally well. Mental wellness is demonstrated by we work through issues and problems. We don't cut people out. We're not kicking people out of our lives. No, that's a sign of someone who's, who has a lot of work to do and isn't safe to be in someone's life. So think about that. If every relationship ends with you having yet another person that you hate and you're angry at, you have work to do. If every time you get into a conflict with your friends, you fight, name, call, and kick them out, you have work to do. I don't care what they did. I'm looking at your response to what they did. I'm looking at how you're managing this disappointment, frustration, and anger and letdown because that's where your mental health is shown. So self-soothing is so important. We have to teach it from the bottom up. Um, and then we have certain labels and things where we let people off the hook, like, oh, well, you know, dad's allowed to. No, I don't care if you're dad. I don't care if you're the boss. I don't care if you're a police officer. I don't care if you're a judge. I don't care if you're the president. You have respect and self-soothing, and you do the work too. These are really um, socially constructed fake hierarchies that we create. Not real. We all have this work to do. All right, when we come back, we're going to do some DMs, and then we're going to talk about, but how do we self-soothe? What does that actually look like? Um, we talked a little bit about, about it on another show. Tonight, we're kind of doing it from a different entry point. I'm really trying to normalize why this work is important because it's hard. It's practice. It's practice against our natural impulses and inclinations. So it's practice. It takes time. Stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Oh, Rachel, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All right, this one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm adopted. My birth mom was on a drug, was on drug, uh, my, uh, my birth mom was on drugs with my brother and I, and we ended up being taken away at a really young age. Heartbreaking. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I felt that. Uh, we're both fully functioning adults, have jobs, homes. We're doing great. Uh, my entire life, I've stayed away from drugs. Alcohol, I'm okay with because I know my limits and I make sure that I'm surrounded by good people if I do decide to drink. However, recently, my friends have been talking about how they want to take a trip and do some drugs, mostly mushrooms. I've stayed away my whole life due to the fear of becoming dependent because it's in my blood. I guess my question to you is, is that even a real thing? Am I more susceptible knowing that my mom and dad were addicts? Um, can you even get addicted to things like mushrooms? Um, so this is, this is the evolving theory on addiction. Uh, we see it as something that's an attachment injury. We know that the gateway to drug use and addiction is trauma. Um, so, it's, so no, it's not in your blood. Uh, just because a family member has uh, had trauma and attachment issues and has turned to drugs and alcohol as a way to cope, that doesn't mean that that will be what you'll choose to do. And the reason why we have a lot of family members that might have addiction issues uh, and their parents as well is it's more born out of the fact that those parents still weren't able to do the healing work 
and stop the intergenerational transmission of faulty coping mechanisms and dysregulation and attachment issues. And that's why it's getting perpetuated in families. It's not that it's genetic. The genetic issue might lead to some behavioral stuff that again leads to relational insecurity, um, dysregulation, and again, we turn to drugs and alcohol to cope, but sometimes they turn to other things to cope or they have post-traumatic growth and they grow beyond. So my point is, is we know addiction is not a disease. Um, it is not necessarily genetic in the way that people see it to be. It's resolved if uh, you know parents that had addiction issues really do the work, heal their attachment stuff, you know, raise children that have better coping mechanisms, understand how to regulate and see relationships as a source of safety so that they turn to people and healthier things as a result, instead of, I should say, turning to drugs, alcohol, um, or whatever else might feel kind of problematic. All that to say, if you're a high functioning person um, and you have better coping mechanisms, of course you could theoretically go to the desert and in a safe context, checking the drugs quality, making sure you're looking out for yourselves, of course you could use. And the psychedelics tend to not be something that we see a lot of addiction around. Um, that doesn't mean someone can't become psychologically, emotionally dependent on something. They can become emotionally, psychologically dependent on anything. Uh, but in the context of what I'm hearing, it theoretically seems as though all should be okay. Um, it's not, there's no such thing as like once a something, always a something, because everything's more nuanced and, com and complex than that. And if you've you know, found other coping mechanisms and you're not dysregulated, um, and drugs and alcohol aren't something that operates in that way for you, then yes. Um, so I'm not signing off on anything. <laughs> this is just, you know what I mean? You have to talk to your own healthcare professionals, your own therapist to make all these decisions for yourself. But theoretically speaking, um, all, all should be okay. Um, and that's a complicated thing. And I don't always know that it's, I, I don't think it's always worth the risk. And that's a personal decision. Um, I've worked with clients that, you know, again, once resolving trauma and their attachment issues have been able to then start drinking or using drugs like an adult. Cause remember 90% of people that use drugs and alcohol do not have a problem. It's only about 10% of the people that would meet what we call the criteria for addiction. And again, those are people who have unresolved trauma, which is the gateway to drugs, uh, which is the gateway to addiction. Marijuana is not, we used to think things like that. It's trauma. And if you've done the trauma work and the, and the attachment work, then we have better coping mechanisms and we can have a healthier relationship. But I don't always think it's worth the risk because what we're also up against is that drugs and alcohol really take our executive functioning offline and they put us into a, a mental state that doesn't allow us to have our judgment and our executive functioning and boundaries intact. So you're taking something that removes what it is that helps you keep yourself safe judgment and executive functioning, decision-making, impulse control, and boundaries. So we always will expect when under the influence of something that you will be under the influence of something and not really connected to your higher self. So that though doesn't mean that if something happens, it's problematic, that it was a result of addiction. It might've been the outcome of having been under the influence of something, but healthy adults don't keep taking something if while under the influence, it leads to problems. They realize it's not worth it. I can live a great life without drugs or alcohol. So it's complicated. All right, we gotta, we gotta, we'll be back. You stick around y'all. You're listening to Love Lion with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. All right, y'all, we are back. And uh, tonight we're talking about self-soothing because it's probably the most important skill set for a human being to have because, uh, well, we impact those around us. We're in different relationships with a vast different number of people. They always say on the show, mental health is demonstrated by how we act and the impact we have on others when we're brought into their life. 
in whatever way that is. We're never let off the hook by the way we're brought into their life. It all matters. I was just on an airplane. God bless it. I didn't want to be. Um, I double masked and I did it because I had to. And I am responsible for how I treat the flight attendants, let's say. Um, I'm responsible for how I treat everyone. There's no designation or label that means, ah, this doesn't count. Ah, it's just the server or the barista doesn't count. Uh, it actually counts even more because they're in a lower position. They don't have as much power. You have power over them. And so it matters then even more if it's someone we are consistently in relationship to. So we have to do this work for others, but we also have to do it for ourselves because like I said in the beginning of the show, a lot of us are living lives that are structured in burnout and imbalance. And so how we manage every little thing that pops in or shows up counts because we don't want to even make it worse, amplify it more, give it a synergistic effect where one plus one equals three or five or 10, where the impact is even greater than as the two come together. So the most direct and powerful way that we can calm and soothe ourselves down is two different ways through our thinking or with our bodies. And first we're going to start with our bodies, breathing. I know you hear it all the time. Take a breath, go for a walk, count to 10. All of those are, be- are different ways of saying step aside and breathe. Breathing slowly is the most direct and meaningful way we can slow down our heart rate, the release of our hormones like testosterone, regardless of what your gender is, you will have the testosterone pumping, which is going to amplify aggression. And you're going to be pushing yourself into fight or flight. And you're stressing yourself out that cortisol is flooding your body and ripping it apart because we're getting worked up over things that don't matter. Someone cut you off in traffic, big freaking deal. Calm down and breathe. The line was longer at the Apple store than you wanted. Big freaking deal. Calm down and breathe. Someone forgot whatever it is you asked them to pick up on the way home big freaking deal. Calm down and breathe. These are annoyances and frustrations. Treat them as such. You're annoyed. Cool. Calm down and breathe. You're frustrated. Cool. Calm down and breathe. Unless it is oppression or violence, calm down and breathe. Oppression and violence, step up, step in and get loud. I don't care if it's you or your family. If you see someone you don't know on the street and oppression or violence is happening, you go step in and you step up and you make some good trouble. But if outside of that, calm down and breathe and let it go. That's the message of today's show. Take a few slow breaths and regulate yourself. And if this sounds stupid or annoying or hard to do, then you need it even more. I remember an ex of mine who's in an anger management course coming home and telling me these horrified stories. I was proud of them for being in the anger management course. Sadly, it was, uh, <laughs> it was forced upon them. But they were like, you know what? I realize I need to be there and I'm learning some great stuff around drum roll, self-soothing. And was telling me some horrible stories of these people that really are completely dysregulated. They don't know how to calm themselves down. Um, And that's what this work is. If you're always angry and upset, if you're always angry and upset and frustrated, you have work to do. Your poor system. But more importantly, the poor people in your life. Again, you want to know how well you're doing? Look at how you're impacting those around you. Like I always say, you know how good of a driver you are based on the comfort of the people in the car with you. You know how good of a partner you are or parent you are or boss you are or whatever position of you know, socially constructed power based on how people feel around you and how safe they feel around you. That's, that, that's a mirror that reflects that back. But we gotta learn how to breathe more, but it's practice. So you have to be aware that you need to be doing this so that you do start to do this. This isn't inherent and this isn't taught to us and we don't have good role models. We have the opposite. We watch people like Will Smith who's upset about something walk on stage and smack someone. Dear God in heaven, that, that, that corrected and fixed nothing. Nothing was corrected or fixed in that. That's called punishment and revenge, like the legal system. 
It's punishment and revenge. Going to prison rehabilitates, transforms, and fixes nothing. It isn't justice. There is no justice, actually. When something happens, it's just about how can we heal and fix. There is no justice. But violence isn't fixing or healing anything. But yes, well, I don't want to get off on that tangent, but I'll just stick with what I'm saying. But that's what we have. That's what's role modeled for us is people telling it like it is. Um, I see it all the time. Someone will say, um, you know what I mean? You're the man. You should uh, all sorts of messy, you know, social tropes. My point is breathe. It will slow down our heart rate, slow down our blood pressure, reduce our muscle muscle tension. And if you're just and if you're not even compassionate enough to do it for others, at least do it for your own physical health, if nothing else. Um, here's another one that people hate: journaling. What? Yeah, it's called tracking yourself. I say this all the time in the show. If you don't know what you're working on, you're not working on anything. We all have work to do. And if you're in a relationship with anyone, as a parent, a friend, a colleague, a coworker, whatever it is, then you have that responsibility because these people are in your care. You're impacting them. I don't care how small the role is, you're impacting people. And so journaling is a way for us to really track ourselves. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about that because that's how we learn to work with our minds. And we are horrible working with our minds. We literally think if I feel something or think something, that it's real, it's true, and we act on it. And our thinking is often biased, subjective, not rooted in reality, and definitely not true. And something we shouldn't always believe. It's something we should interrogate and think about. We'll be back. We'll talk more about this. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all, because we got a lot more to come. All right, y'all, we are back talking about self-soothing and it's it's a mandatory responsibility if we're gonna be a human in relationship to anybody. And we have tons of relationships of different kinds. And one of the things we're really bad at is working with our minds. We think that if we're thinking something, it's true, it's accurate, it's honest, we should do something about it. But whenever you have a think, whenever you have a thought or, a th- or you're thinking, you should always stop and say, is this, is this true? Is this rooted in reality? Is this effective and helpful thinking? We have to hold it looser. We have to learn how to make it a little more flexible. We have to learn how to like observe it for a second. It's a very strange and bizarre concept for us because we are we have a hair trigger. We don't realize that something happens and before we act on it, there's actually a little bit of space there for us to say, what do I wanna do? And that's called choice because our thinking's often subjective, biased, extreme, and not logical. But yet we really buy in and believe it because it feels so real. Just like memory, memory is not real. Memory changes. Any memory you have has been reorganized based on everything that's happened since. But yet we see it in our heads, so we buy it and believe it. We're thinking it, I can see it in my head, it must be true, but it's not. And that's a very scary thing for us to realize, I can't trust my memory or my thinking. And we have robust research to confirm this. So it's not even a theory, It's this is real. So you go do the research if you want, but we have to say, is this helpful? Is this effective? Do I have proof that this is actually true? What kind of impact will this thought have? And as you're noticing, you hear me working with it. Yes, that's what you need to do because we're ruining our lives and we're creating issues when we immediately think, I know why you didn't bring home what I asked you to bring home and I have a whole storyline around it and I'm gonna buy in and dig my heels into it and I'm gonna act from that. And that's why things like journaling, AKA self-soothing, is a way for us to track what kind of cognitive distortions we might consistently be living in. Are you someone who tends to catastrophize and dramatize everything? You need to know that and you need to track that so you can start to challenge that. Are you someone who always thinks you're the victim? Are you someone who never considers someone else's opinion or experience? Like I have some friends where I have to say to them, I understand you're upset about blah, 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 but 
what was going on for them as to why that happened? I know you're upset that your friend didn't show up at your birthday party, but what was going on for them that day? Oh, you don't know? Well, you need to because you're overly buying into your thought about why it is they didn't make it to the party and you've decided it's because they're a crappy friend. But that's biased, that's not helpful, and that's actually not rooted in reality. And so it's like I train what I train couples to do, to, to check in with their partner. I'm having the thought that, is this true? That is mind-blowing to some to imagine doing that. Hey, honey, I, I know you forgot to pick up coffee on the way home. My mind is telling me that that's because you don't care about me. Is that true? Can you help me understand? And then your wife can say, no, babe, I had a really busy day at work and my mom called me and she needed me on the drive home and I was focused and distracted by that. Of course I love you. Oh, thank you for sharing reality with me, but I needed to check in with you to get that reality versus me believing my thinking and just going with that. We have to check in with other people, especially when we're in a primary romantic relationship. Our partner has to be brought into the decisions we're making in our head. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing it unattended. <laughs> Even adults shouldn't be left unattended with their thinking. Check in. Again, this is good relational skills. It's called building intimacy. I want you to reach out to your friend saying, hey, I noticed you didn't make it to my birthday party. My thinking tells me it's because you decided something else was better or more important than me. Can you help me understand what was happening? Is it true? Notice my tone of voice. Notice my word choice. It's neutral because I don't know if I'm correct and I can't always believe that my thinking's correct and I hold space for someone else. And then the friend can say, you know what? I was depressed or I relapsed or you know, my grandmom died. And so of course I had to attend to that and couldn't go to your party. And then you can say, thank you for telling me that. That makes sense or the opposite. You know what? That still doesn't sit well. Let's talk more about it because you're my friend and my work is about healing this, not kicking you out and labeling you as a jerk. My work is about finding a, a mutually beneficial and shared narrative on this because conflict can't lead to everyone being pushed out of my life. I, I have to keep people. I have to learn to work through. So that's part of self-soothing within relationship is checking in and asking the other people about what it is you've decided. Because again, our thinking isn't correct. So check in with people. And that's why journaling can be a part of that for some people, really looking at the patterns and habits. Most people never do that. They go with what they think. What a beautiful world of honoring intimacy and transparency and vulnerability if we checked in. Is this what this is supposed to mean? Is this what you intended? Is this what that meant? I'm always saying that to people. I'm not gonna read the text message and try to figure out. Ask them, hey, I haven't heard from you. Does this mean you don't wanna date anymore? Hey, you, you know what I mean? Like ask. <laughs> I always say go back to that person. We're trying to have one-to-one -one direct relationships. All right, what else? Feel your feelings. That's another way of self-soothing. Let the emotions take their natural course. Emotions are like waves. They will crash and subside if we allow them to go through the natural full process. But instead, we try to stuff them and stop them and block them. I felt that during my breakup. People wanted me to be more happy and cheerful, let it go and get over it. And I was saying, you are blocking the natural process and shaming where I'm at. There's nothing wrong with me mourning the loss of something that is worth mourning the loss of. There's no such thing as bereavement going on too long. I will never agree that bereavement, mourning, and loss has a certain length of time, otherwise it's clinical. But the diagnostic manual has created an arbitrary length of time that they believe everyone should wrap it up and get back to work by. And if not, it's a, patholo it's a pathology and disorder. And that's crap. And that's not true and that's shaming and that's dehumanizing be where you are for as long as you need to be for some people they will spend their entire lives mourning something and that's appropriate for them you don't owe anyone joy you don't owe anyone wellness whether you're fat bodied whether you are mourning the loss of something even an addict you're allowed to be an addict if you choose that's right everyone has autonomy 
I want us to pay attention to how we're impacting others. I want us to try to carve out joy in our lives. I want us to try to anchor ourselves, but everyone has the right to choose the path they want to choose. I actually gave a whole talk on that at a treatment center many years ago. It did not go well, where I said, the addict is a queer identity that some people choose. I cannot force sobriety on everyone. I don't believe everyone has to be sober if that's not their journey or what they want or what they choose. And we have to meet people where they're at. It's a whole nother show. But with grief and loss and mourning, at least, let's at least focus on that. People need to be left where they're at. That's right. We're not stuffing or suppressing or denying feelings anymore. Hashtag mental health matters. So y'all be saying that. Let's put it, let's put our money where our mouth is. All right, we're gonna come back, keep talking about, it. stick around. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and we're closing up our discussion on self-soothing. I know I didn't get that much into how to do it, so I'm gonna kind of just barrel through that. I really just want everyone to understand theoretically why it matters and what it's what it looks like, um, because that matters more to me than just people going through these rote processes. So feel your feelings, you know, and be around people that allow for that and let people feel their feelings. Don't shut them down, don't hand them tissues and make them stop or shut them down. Just be like, let her rip. Um, we're journaling so that we can sit deeper and uh, really process our feelings. I talked in the earlier segment about checking in with people and not going with, go, not necessarily buying into and going with your narrative and your understanding of something. Let people explain to you what it was and what it meant for them as to why they disappointed you or frustrated you. Um, music. I, I know I work at a radio station and that's been one of the reasons why I've really come back to finding the value in music as a therapeutic and healing tool. Um, it's, it's saved me, literally saved me. Uh, spirituality has saved me, my spiritual practices and music, both of them. Uh, you know, I, I haven't gotten into it on the show, but I had a severe trauma occur over the new year, this past new year. And what, what saved me psychologically from having a full, I guess, breakdown, truly, um, was my spiritual practice, the amazing friends I have, and music. Because music is something that a lot more people are doing research on in terms of therapy. It's something we don't utilize enough. It's something we don't really truly even understand. Freud hated music because he couldn't understand it. He didn't have the theories to apply to it. I understand why. We were very limited back then. Um, he, he didn't understand it, but it's such a powerful force. It can be so soothing. And as I say on the show over and over and over, if we wanna feel a certain way, we can play music that helps guide us into that. Um, I know for a while I was spending time listening to slower, sadder music, and I realized this is actually depressing me. And I'm honoring that that aspect and that that element of my life is there, but I want to spend some time being more honest, which is that joy can exist while grief exists. Like hear that. We can have grief and also find time for joy. Both can coexist. It's part of us breaking out of this idea that we can't have two realities at the same time, but we can. So I can both experience grief and say, joy still is present and accessible and I wanna spend some time with that now. And that isn't me denying or, or, or stuffing my feelings, it's me being more honest. And so playing more music that's more upbeat to allow my nervous system to rest and to find some joy in the day, or the opposite. Maybe you do want to play sadder music to help you drop deeper into and process at a, at a deeper level something you're going through. Because language fails us. Language, we don't always have the right words or the right language to explain something or to work through something. And music is a way, it's fully embodied. Music is our full body. Music is not cognitive. It's somatic. I can feel it through my entire body. And it's a way for us to sit with or work through something. So honor that. Also grounding techniques. It's always rooted in the senses. 
smelling something that's soothing or anchoring, listening, as I said a minute ago, to something that's soothing or anchoring, tasting something. That's why people, after a rough time, want to eat certain comfort foods. Do it, please. Eat your feelings. That's right. I want us to have a multitude of coping mechanisms, not just one, but food is appropriate. You're allowed to eat your feelings. That's shocking to some people. You're allowed to masturbate or look at porn or use eroticism as a way to self-soothe and cope. It's a beautiful way to release and relax. We talk about plant medicine. I'm a fan of people within the legalities of their local area engaging in certain plant medicine. Cannabis has been so healing and regulatory for so many people and helping their mental health. And yes, Cannabis use can be part of your sobriety because we are allowed to take supplemental complementary things to help us stay alive. And that's what sobriety is about, being alive, not following the rules of any specific program. There's a lot of different programs, a lot of different rules. 12-step is not the only and the right. It's one of many. And there's a lot more people in there using plant medicine. I'm here for it. You're allowed to use what you need to use to stay alive and still be considered sober. That's right. Because some people only have a problem with one thing and not a problem with other things. Some people, the problem is drugs and they can drink successfully. Other people, they, they have to stay away from alcohol. But marijuana has not created a problem and actually enhances the quality of their life. Great, I'm here for it. So as an actual mental health professional, I work with my patients on figuring out what they need, not what a program universally wants to offer because every program is different but what they actually need. And that's what I'm advocating for. Just doing whatever we need to do to reduce the harm and improve the quality of our lives. We're not trying to follow the rules or conform. We're trying to be authentic and participate in what we need. And grounding with the senses is that looking at things. I'm very visual. I'm very sense-based. I have certain essential oils I use. I listen to certain kinds of music. Touch, I wrap myself in certain blankets or wear certain clothing that feels good in my body. In fact, I'm only moving forward wearing clothing that feels good in my body. I'm no longer wearing things that are restrictive or tight or don't feel good to me. I'm wearing soft softer, looser clothing. I dress casual all the time. I don't care where I'm at. I'm wearing casual things. I'm not subscribing to the elitism and classism of having to spend more or look a certain way to be taken seriously or participate in events. Like this is all part of self-soothing. What do I need to feel good and to feel grounded? Positive self-talk, because again, we're being honest. Just because things are bad doesn't mean things aren't also good and it's okay to hold both. That doesn't mean we're shaming the things that aren't, you know? Physical contact and relationality, movement. Movement has also been really powerful for me. And I know some people, because of eating disorders, body dysmorphia, they have a difficult relationship to it, but that's gonna be important. But at the end of the day, it's really about slowing down your system with breathing and stepping away. And it's also about working with your thoughts. And that's the best ways we can soothe ourselves. And um, it's also how we try to kind of keep ourselves out of continuing burnout. All right, coming up next, we're gonna be sliding into the DM. Stick around for that. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. We'll be right back. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 
15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. So if you've got a question for us, topic you want us to cover, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Isabella. And I'm noticing, sorry, I'm noticing that my friend Allie is super insecure. Long short story, long story short, sorry. <laughs> Isabella, uh, uh, sorry, I'm reading this completely wild. Uh, my name is Isabella. Noticing my friend Allie is super insecure. Long story short, Allie is a lesbian that has a long history of dating straight women. She'll go after women who have boyfriends or only had boyfriends in the past, get them to date her, and then it ends up not working out and they go back to dating men. <laughs> While sexuality is fluid, and I understand this, she has a pattern. <laughs> She's recently met a new girl who has only dated men in the past, but this relationship seems to be really different. They're constantly fighting about men looking at the new girl. She accuses her of staring at guys too when they're out, staring too long. And the other day, a male barista was talking to the group of us. We walked outside. This goes on and on. Um, let me get to the, the question. Um, I feel like she keeps putting herself in these positions to date women who tend to lean towards men. I also feel like she needs to stop putting her insecurities on her girlfriend. Um, how can I tell her all this but nicely? So that's your question. How do I tell her this? Um, I don't think you do. I say this all love my heart. You mind your business uh, because it doesn't seem like your friend's open to hearing more. That would be the best I can give you is to say to your friend, hey, I noticed you're having some difficulties with your girlfriend and I sometimes see some patterns. Are you open to me sharing with you what I see? You say it very lovingly like that. And if they say no, then the answer is no. And you move on with your life and you love your friend anyway, because friends are allowed to make mistakes and be difficult at times because nothing your friend is doing is negatively impacting you. Nothing your friend is doing is toxic for you. Nothing your friend is doing is inherently toxic for them either. It's just that they make their life maybe a little more complicated than you think it should be, but this might be where they're at in their journey. So you have to kind of let go and let be. 
Um, Because what you're also kind of saying is, I'm not comfortable watching them do this. And instead of me learning how to let go and let them live their life, I'd rather them change what they're doing and stop triggering me so I don't have to settle myself down. So I want to change them. And it's like, no, you got to change yourself. You have to make peace and accept that this is who they are and how they move through the world. Again, unless when you say to them, are you open to hearing more? Their response is maybe, sure, tell me. And then you can lovingly be like, hey, I see a pattern. And then you kind of bring in what you said. I think you put yourself in these situations by not dating lesbians. And then you could also say, um, be kinder to your partner. You know, whatever insecurities come up are for you to work on. Are you know, when we're triggered, that shows us where our work is. The concept of being triggered isn't for us to point the finger at who triggered us or what triggered us and say, don't do that. It's for us to go, wow, that wound obviously exists because when that person did or said that thing, I felt something and I have to work on that. And so you're also being given an opportunity to learn how to let your friends live their own lives and how to let go and how to not do what some people might call a little codependent. I don't use that word, but I think that's where some people would kind of apply that you're over, over managing someone else. You know, you're, you're taking too much responsibility because again, this happens. Um, but theoretically speaking, I don't know what's going on with your friend. I'd have to sit down and do more of an intake and an assessment to understand why they might, if your theory is correct, potentially always be going after someone who isn't um, really identifying or interested in being with women. It might be people who are curious or open to trying it. Um, I don't know. Because remember, there is a distinction between sexual orientation and romantic orientation. And these women might be sexually bi or fluid and down for sex with all genders, but they might be only oriented romantically towards men. And that's why your friend is never able to pull it off because these women don't want romantic relationships with other women, but they're down for sexual relationships. That might be the only clarification that's needed. And then your friend has to realize, I need to find women that like to date women, not just women that want to have sex with women. So you can maybe even lovingly bring up that topic of, again, the difference between sexual orientation and relational romantic orientation, because yes, they're often two separate things. For most of us, they're similar and aligned. And that's why we don't see them as two separate processes, but they are. See, we learn something every day. But um, yeah, mind your business. <laughs> Lovingly, that's my answer. Let your friend be where they are, you know? All right, y'all, if you got a question for us, drop it in the DMs. Always happy to hear from you. Want to check out past episodes? Go over to wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Uh, spend the rest of the night, though, focusing on pleasure. Build in some joy and pleasure, whatever it is. It's going to put a smile on your face. Tons of rest and self-care. We're working enough. And uh, join us tomorrow. We'll be back. More to come. All right, y'all. Thanks for hanging out. Enjoy the rest of your night. See you good night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. Hey! 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 